Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Siddharwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shula Jr. Edward, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Just as we were talking about before we started recording, uh, there's been a lot of, it's been a really tough year, and definitely been going through some things, a lot of unfortunate deaths, just a really tough time, but I'm hanging in there, I'm trying to do all right, and I'm trying to trying to keep going how about you yeah same as you you know it was kind of hard to hear about i was chad bosman passing away and then we heard about john thompson today uh cliff roberts robinson uh just a lot of people that you kind of not only for the for the black community but even for mm-hmm. fans of you know marvel movies or and basketball you know world in general people being fans of that of them Having to, you know, see that that happen and lose them all simultaneously can be hard. And we've lost a lot this year. So it's, it's definitely tough, but we're we're trying to, you know, you know, get through this year as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so obviously we're, we're trying to continue our draft coverage, uh, not to have a random turn on our, our, our start of this conversation that we uh, just had, but talking more into this upcoming draft getting uh getting more a deep dive and and understanding the different players and different prospects uh that are in this draft uh joining us today to give his insight is matt babcock an owner and founder of the babcock hoops uh matt thank you so much for joining us today hey thanks for having me no appreciate it appreciate it uh so let, let's get right into it uh looking at this draft i think a lot of people tend to say it's a weak draft not a lot of uh maybe not a lot of depth and definitely not anyone that you can look at right away and kind of have a look at star level talent in it where are you at personally when you when you're doing your evaluation and on your board and so forth yeah, I mean, I would agree in the sense that it's not a star-heavy draft, I mean, which it makes it you know, very complicated uh, for guys like myself to to pinpoint where guys are going to go exactly because I, I think there's quite a bit of parity, especially towards the top. Um, I, I do think there actually is a decent amount of depth in this, this draft, you know, in, in regards to you know, teams being able to possibly find role players and, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, challenging just without without the clear cut one, you know, top one or two guys. Uh, but but I, I still do you know have some hope that some of these players will will be pretty good. Who do you have on your board in the top five right now? Because we were talking on the last show that this is the type of draft where there's going to be a lot of different boards, we feel like, across the league where a team like the Hornets may just have a completely different top five than a team like the Bulls or the Warriors. So it's definitely going to be a uh, a, definitely a, a my guy type of draft, if you will. So who do you have in your top five right now? Well, first of all, I, I agree with what you said exactly, and that, that's exactly how I look at it. I mean, the, we're we're all waiting for the the lottery to shake out, um, pretty much to see which teams are, are looking at which spots. And uh, you know, I've got Obi Toppin going number one to Minnesota, which I've gotten quite a bit of heat from it, and uh, I, I expected it. Uh, but I, I kind of took that approach of, okay, you know, they're number one. I, I don't necessarily have Obi Toppin as the number one player if I was to do a big board, you know, rankings. Uh, but you know, I don't. I don't think Anthony Edwards fits there that well. I don't like Lamelo Ball there, James Wiseman. Uh, so I went with Top and Number One. Uh, those other guys followed after them, and then uh, Denny Abdia. Uh, I have him at the fifth spot going to Cleveland. That's really interesting that you have uh, Top and Number One because I I don't think I've really seen that across uh, seen that yet on different websites. So what do you? I know you mentioned that that's not really according to your big board and that's more so factoring team need is Minnesota. They don't really need another shooting guard, but a power forward like Toppin does make some sense there. But what do you what do you like about Toppin's game? Because I've seen a lot of concern from people that he's a player who you while you can't really question how productive he was at Dayton. A lot of people look at him as a a power forward who offers no defensive value and he's already older than most of his class at what I think he's almost 23. So wh- what do you what do you like about Toppin's game for the NBA? And do you think his game can translate? 
Well, uh, you know, a few different thoughts, you know, come to mind there is, uh, you know, I think everybody's overanalyzing age. I mean, this kid's ready to go. I think if this were a deal where we're talking about a guy, um, you know, that, that needed to improve in a lot of different areas, you know, the age would be a little bit more of a concern, but from an offensive standpoint, I mean, I think he's prototypical. I mean, he shoots the ball well from outside and he'll be one of the most athletic, you know, you know, power forwards in the league right off the bat, uh, really has a high basketball IQ. Yeah, defensively, he's not great. He's got really tight hips. He's more of a vertical athlete than, um, you, know, you know, having, you know, fluid lateral movements. Uh, but the problem is, is that there's really not many players towards the top that they can say is going to step into the NBA and, and bring much to the table defensively. I think the guys that that would uh, would be James Wiseman, which you know is not a fit with Carl Anthony Towns. I, I just think um, you know the, the day and age where you know teams are putting out two seven footers. I think that's gone. I, I just don't think you could do it anymore. It'd have to be such you know such a unique combination of guys with with different talents. Uh, but you know, generally speaking, I think that would be hard to do. And even though Wiseman could serve as a defensive anchor, now you got Carl Anthony Towns defending power forwards. And uh, I think that's a recipe for disaster. And if we're talking about the other perimeter guys, I mean, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, they're not very good defensively either. So, uh, you know, sort of the knock on Obi Toppin, you know, I understand it. But, you know, what's what's the answer? You know, and uh, it, it's sort of a tough draft. And I, I wrote an article for uh, basketballnews.com, which just launched last week. And I explained some of my top picks. And uh, what, you know what I explained with Minnesota is okay. You know, we might get some heat if we take Obi Toppin number one. So let's put let's put the the pick on the on the trade market. Let's tell everybody we're going to take Anthony Edwards because he probably has the best trade value because he's got the most upside in the draft. If we don't get a trade we like, let's get the guy that fits what we're doing, which in my opinion is Obi Toppin. And and the second pick would probably be Denny Abdia. You know, which is another guy that's you know even rated lower at least on my big board so just a tough draft from from that standpoint of you know it, it, what what makes sense for each team and it's just that there's a lot of different variables out there right now i would say the bulls biggest need is a primary ball handler someone that can run the offense uh looking at this draft there's maybe a couple of guys at that bulls range maybe Lamelo ball falls down to four uh, i know killing hayes is another uh, player that kind of fits that mold. How do you see either of those guys fitting into what the Bulls would want to do long-term and be that guy? Because right now, obviously, you got Kobe White, who's more of a combo, uh, more off-guard, more likely. Zach Levine, he can score probably with the best of them when he's on, but he's not someone you really want making a lot of a lot of decisions as a lead ball handler. And then you have these bigs on the team as well that, like I said, you need someone that can really get them good looks. So, like I said, how do you see like LaMelo Ball and maybe even Killian Hayes fitting with this team long term? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Chicago uh, could use a primary ball handler. You know, I, Kobe White, I'm a fan of his, but, you know, I think he's more of a scorer. You know, even at, at Carolina, then playing at, him at point guard, I think it was a stretch. I, I think he's most effective off the balls. It's sort of just like a green light scorer. Um, and then Levine's just, you know, he's just a you know big time scoring wing. And so uh, we have them, you know, currently taking LaMelo Ball at four. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he's actually there or not. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like I, like I said, um, I think the top part of this draft is is, is pretty un, unpredictable at this point. Uh, but yeah, Lamelo Ball would fit nicely. Just I mean, allowing those guys to, on the on the wings to, to you know be themselves and be scorers uh, and have uh, you know opportunity of you know get probably getting a little bit more out of Wendell Carter and Market and having a you know a true point guard that can make some plays for his teammates. Um, as far as Killing Hayes, I, you know, I think he'd be an option too. I think that's would be extremely on his high side. I mean, I know there's some media outlets that have him that high. I personally don't. I see him, you know, more, um, you know, closer to the second tier of guys rather than that first tier. Um, but they could look at him. I also think they could look at a wing with Denny Abdia, who, who's uh, who's more of a three-four, but he's like a point forward, which would give him, you know, give him that playmaker. Not not necessarily a primary ball handler, uh, but he's definitely somebody that's that's worthy of being in that that range. Uh, that that would you know fit what they need at least a little bit. Uh, I think they would need to still probably tweak things a little bit with their roster, but uh, I, I think Lamelo Ball or Denny Abdia would would be the best bets for for Chicago. What do you make of Lamelo Ball's upside? Because a lot of people look at him. You see a uh, six seven six eight. I'm not sure what the exact height is, but you see a guy at that height who can handle the ball like that, create for others at that level, can rebound the ball well, and would be a very valuable piece in terms of an up-tempo team who wants to play in transition, which seems to be every team these days, I guess, right? So he seems tailor-made for 
what you want in a guard these days in terms of like, uh, I'm not saying he's Luka Doncic, but just in terms of that role of a Luka Doncic or a Trey Young or uh, maybe even a Russell Westbrook, those type of guards who can push and get players involved. So if LaMelo Ball does pan out, and I know he has all of these red flags, but realistically, what is his upside if he is a home run pick? You know, you mentioned he's got great size. I, you know, I think he, they're they're saying he's six seven. We'll we'll see if he actually measures out that big. But either way, he's got good size. Um, you know, he's got the ball on a string, and he's just you know he's just uh he's just a natural playmaker. I mean, you know, I think he's he's capable of scoring. He's capable of making plays for his teammates. Uh, kind of plays with with a certain flash, which is is something that like I, I like about him. But he needs to learn to control it a little bit. Like the, I think the negative with him is, um, you know, he plays for the for the cameras and the bright lights. And I think he needs to you know slow down a little bit. You know, probably take a little bit better shots. You know, make the right plays and and commit himself to the defensive end. I mean, he really hasn't shown any interest up to this point. Uh, you know, defending. Um, so I mean, you know, I, I, he does have upside just just with the size and just the just sort of the knack to make plays, but. Um, you know, he, he, you know, he, he needs to address some things too. What do you think about his shot? Do you think that that shots like, it's kind of a two handed push. And I know with Lonzo ball coming out of UCLA, there was a lot of talk about his shot and it seems like he's made some progress on fixing it. So what do you, what do you make about LaMelo ball shot? The percentages aren't good. The form looks kind of wild. The shot selection also kind of wild. So what's the, What's your forecast on that? Is it is it just broken and he's never really going to be like a, a plus offensive player in terms of shooting the ball? Or do you think that there's actually like more hope than people uh, than he's really given credit for in that regard? Well, you know, his, his shooting mechanics certainly aren't aren't clean, uh, but, you know, he's got he's just a, you know, he's just a baller, you know, <laughs> no, no pun intended. All right. Uh, but, you know, he, he you know, has a knack to make plays, has a knack to hit shots, very confident kid. So, I mean, even though the mechanics aren't great, I think he is capable of hitting shots at a, at a decent rate. Uh, I think the biggest thing for him is more of the discipline and decision making, t- taking better shots. Um, rather than chucking these, you know, Steph Curry threes. I mean, he's just not on that level of, of a shooter uh, to, to be shooting some of the shots that he is. So kind of what I mentioned before, I think he just needs to slow things down a little bit and continue to learn the game and mature. Uh, and and I, I do think he has a chance of, of being a better shooter than his brother, which is not saying a whole lot. Uh, but, I, you know, I think he can improve. One big thing with him was obviously he went to a completely different route than what you see a lot of uh, young players go where he went to NBL. And that's playing against grown men. It's a completely different environment. It, you're you're also most kids when they go away to school, that's a big jump for them, a big, you know, change in how they are what they're used to. And he's going to a completely different country where the culture is completely different as well. So how much do you think that plays into the factor? And maybe there is a there's a chance that he's a lot better than we think he is because of those other uh, factors being playing playing into it. Yeah, I think taking a, you know the routes that that he has. I mean, because this wasn't even just this last year. I mean, he went to Lithuania. He went, you know, he's been all over the place. And um, you know, I think you know, you know, looking at one side of it is you know he's probably had to grow up a little bit. Uh, on the flip side of it, I mean, you know, everybody compares him to his brother. I'm going to do the same here. Is you know, his brother went to school for a year and got got proper coaching and kind of went through a traditional process of of just naturally maturing. Uh, so I mean, I think you know, depending on how you're looking at it, there's, there's definitely pros and cons. Um, I, I think it's probably a wash if we're looking at it from an evaluation standpoint as far as where he's at. I think he'd probably be in a similar spot if he had gone to school. What do you make of Tyrese Halliburton? He's he seems like a very safe prospect in terms of he's going to play really good team defense. He's a good catch and shoot three point shooter, and he can dish the ball out as well. Probably not the same ceiling as a guy like uh, Lamelo Ball or Killian Hayes. And with his type of shot, it doesn't seem like he's ever really going to be a really great shooter in terms of off the dribble. So you probably limit him in, in that regard. But what do you make of Halliburton? Is he like just a generally like high floor, like safe bet to have a 10, 15 year career as a, a starting point guard in this league? Yeah, I think he, I think he's safe. You know, I, I think you know some people have him rated pretty high. I mean, you know, he's like a mid lottery type guy. I, I'm not on the same same page as that. I mean, we currently have him at ten, which I I personally think is really on his high side range wise. I just like the fit with him in Phoenix with Devin Booker. I think he could be a really nice complimentary guard. Um, you know, in Iowa State, their their team wasn't very good. And, you know, they depended on him doing so much. 
uh, as he comes to the NBA, I think it's going to be a much simpler role offensively for him. I think he's going to, you know, super high basketball IQ, really knows how to play. Uh, and, and his shooting mechanics are, are really funky. He kind of shoots the ball like Bob Cousy, like a set shot, yeah. uh, but he shoots it at a high rate. So I think he's going to be very effective stretching the floor. Uh, but I think it's going to be more of, you know, hitting open shots, playing alongside a guy like Booker, uh, you know, where he's able to just get, you know, easy looks and, um, yeah, just a, just a, a good, safe, solid guy that I think will play in the league for a long time. Uh, my, my biggest uh, concern with him is, is lack of physicality. I mean, he, he's so thin, uh, and, and I really don't have a ton of confidence that he's got a build to add a whole lot of weight, uh, you know, weight to him. And so we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I, I like him, uh, just not quite as much as some of these people, you know, are hyping him up as, as, as like a, you know, high-profile lottery type guy. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, because in, in this type of draft, there is always the instinct that, okay, again, it's a my guy type of draft and there's no clear cut star. There's no Zion. So everyone's saying, okay, play odds, trade down, get more assets. So if you were, if you were the Bulls, if you're Arturis Karnishevis and you have his number four overall pick right now, is it the smart play in this draft to say, okay, let me trade down. Let me get some more picks maybe next year or in this draft. I don't know. And I could still get a guard like Halliburton or I could take a shot on another high upside guy or is this draft so weak that you need to covet the the top the top heaviest kind of players in this draft like ball like Edwards like Wiseman that you should just stay it for and avoid you know trading down to potentially no man's land so I guess what do you think about that type of strategy in terms of trading down in this class well, you know, it's a it's a hard question to answer just because there, there's so much unknown there. I mean, I, you know, I've actually been asked this question a lot recently with, with different, you know, from different podcasts and different teams, and um, you know, everybody's talking about that. You know, hey, should we move back? Is this this draft's not that great? Uh, the problem is, you know, what what are we what are we talking about? You know, what, what are what's on the table? You know, and so um, I think Arturis certainly should be. Uh, exploring trades, you know, it, it just got to see what's out there and just kind of weigh it out as, as you kind of go through it. And, uh, you know, I, I do like some players there, uh, but, you know, if there's somebody else that, that, you know, is willing to give up a lot to move up. Yeah, sure. Go for it. I mean, th- there's going to be some solid players, um, you know, late lottery, mid first, late first. And so, yeah, I, I could easily see Chicago doing something like that. Um, it all just depends on, you know, what, what the, you know, what the trade market's like. Back to uh, Danny Avija. Uh, we, people talk about him, potentially being having that ability to be that primary ball handler. Is that something you see in him that that's his potential down the line? Or is he somebody more of a secondary guy that you don't really, you don't think he had confidence in him being able to run an offense and being like a floor general, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I see him more as a secondary ball handler and I don't mean that as a big knock to him. I just, uh, you know, I'm also a guy that, you know, didn't believe in, in Ben Simmons playing as a point guard either. I think they, they put too much pressure on him. So uh, I guess take, take that with a grain of salt a little bit, but um, yeah, I think he's gonna be a very effective playmaker, do stuff on the ball, uh, but the pencil him in as your primary ball handler, I think that would put a lot of pressure on him. And I, I don't know if that necessarily would be fair to him. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, as far as you know, answering your, your initial question with Chicago, of, do they need a primary ball handler? All that I, I believe they do. Uh, so the Abdia thing would would only partially answer answer that problem. Uh, I, I don't see him being a guy that would ever be a point guard or you know even even as a shooting guard. I see him more as a, as a three four that's just able to do a lot of different things. But is he more four than three? Because I, 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 I know we he's probably like marketed as a small forward a lot, but when you, when you watch him, it seems like there's going to be some questions as to whether he can stay with the quicker or more athletic threes in the NBA. And then some would say, okay, he's probably better suited to play a small ball four. So ideally to you, what is he in the NBA? Is he a full-time four or is he just like a hybrid? Like, what do you think? Well, you know, I mean, you know, He's a young young guy, and you know you, you have to imagine he's gonna he's gonna get a little bigger just naturally, and, and he seems to be a hard worker based on everything I've been told, and uh, I, I think he really could be both. You know, he could be either you want, and uh, I I think he is is very deceptively athletic, uh, so I, I don't think he'd be at a huge advantage playing on the perimeter in the NBA. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there, there's some teams that are, they're playing, you know, guys that are probably more pencil in as shooting guards. I mean, like Chicago last year played Levine quite a bit as a three, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's super athletic six, five. So, I mean, you know, I think there'd be certain matchups that maybe Denny would, you know, be behind maybe just a touch, but, um, I, I see him personally more as a three, four, if I had to, you know, you know, draw a line in the sand kind of thing. 
Do you think this is the type of draft where instead of going with the safe pick, you take that risk and and just kind of go for a home run uh, where a raw player uh, might be available and maybe trade down for a guy like, let's say, Pokushevsky? I hope I didn't. I don't know how to really pronounce his name right now, but uh, that Serbian player, he's kind of been a draft darling. Like a lot of draft people are really looking at him as he's the youngest player in this draft, has a lot of uh, raw talent, potential ball handling. Uh, Obviously, players that he's playing against, the league might not be the strongest, but you see kind of the talent that he's going up against, uh, or the talent that he has, I should say, I apologize, that maybe he does have that raw upside to be kind of that home run pick if you take that gamble and have the patience to develop him. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they call him Poku. So Poku, you know, he's seven feet tall, 200 pounds. I mean, he's extremely, extremely thin, um, you know, but he's so skilled. I mean, shoots the ball, puts on the floor, can pass, just a really great feel for the game. Um, I, I really question, you know, at, at what point is he going to be able to even step on an NBA floor? And so, I mean, it depends on, on where the team's at. I mean, if they, if they don't mind, you know, t- taking taking a shot at a guy that's not probably going to be ready for a couple of years, uh, if ever. Um, yeah, it might be worth a risk. I, I I would be I would be a little hesitant about it. You know, I mean, I you know, general managers' shelf lives are usually pretty pretty short. So I mean, are you taking this kid? Uh, you know, for some other general manager that's going to be you know running your team in a few years. You know, so um, that that'd be my sort of general approach to it. Uh, but his talent is intriguing. So I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team went out you know went for him relatively high. Um, but I, I I'd be careful. Do you think for a guy like AK, who's his first year, uh, he so he probably has a decent leash. And in general, with with the Reinsdorfs, they tend to give their front office a pretty big leash as far as patience with them, uh, being that Gar and Pax were in charge for like 15 years, essentially. Um, do you think that would be worth a risk for him to go after him if – Let's say you're you're looking at this draft, and again, you don't have anyone that is just like, oh my, I gotta have this guy. I can't pass on this guy, and maybe trade down, like I said, and and go for that extra asset and take a risk with him. Yeah, I, personally, I, I wouldn't. You know, I, and one part of it is, I you know, I know he had a down year, but I still really like Markinen. I, I think he's got a bright future. If I if I'm if I'm Arturis. Um, you know, I, I'd look to lock him up long term. I think he's a nice piece, especially for how the game's played these days, where you know, everybody's valuing stretch bigs. Um, and, and you know, Poku's kind of similar to him. And uh, you, you hope, you know, even though Mark had the down year, you hope Poku ever even gets to that point. So why, you know, why uh, you know throw the kitchen sink at something that that's a maybe? Uh, I, I'd, I'd look to add somebody that could complement what you already have. Um, so yeah, personally, I, I don't think Poku would be be the right fit for Chicago, but uh, that, that's just my take. Is Poku worth the? Is he worth the hype that he's been getting, like through draft Twitter? Like, I, I'm admittedly I have not watched any of him, but as Salim has noted, he is such a big. Like, he he celebrated like very widely on draft Twitter, and as you mentioned, seven foot can shoot it, can pass it a little bit. Like, is he is he worth that in the sense that if you you can picture him just absolutely just tearing it up one day and being a Giannis type of steal or maybe a Jokic type of steal is he that type of scenario or is it just is it is it wishful thinking I don't know like what do you think yeah I mean he's high risk high reward I mean the the size and the skill set I it's just it's super intriguing I I'm fearful that it's it's a bit of a tease you know and and uh you know I mean there's been a number of guys throughout the years that that have been like but that have clicked and so uh, I say that and yeah he could he could pan out he could be a big time player because with that size and skill set I mean that's it's it's unbelievable it's uh, uncanny um I just I would be I'd be hesitant and uh so I mean I don't think it'd probably be my guy if we're talking about, you know, a mid first round pick or even lottery. I, I would take him later. I'd look at him later in that. And I still would be hesitant. Cause I, you know, like I said, if I'm a GM, um, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my job security. I want somebody that I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be able to help and, you know, contribute and help us win some games. And I, I think he's years away. Something I'm very curious about going into this draft because of the pandemic that we're in, that's going to change the process, how teams approach and can review some of these prospects. Now, AK does have experience as a GM evaluating in a regular scenario of of different prospects and with the combine and having private one-on-one workouts. 
How much more difficult do you think in your experience that you've seen that it'll be so much hard, harder in this environment compared to what teams are normally used to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing uh, I think that's important to note here is that it, it's a fair playing ground. You know, it's not like you're at a disadvantage within the league. Everybody's facing the same thing. And, um, you know, personally, you know, I was an agent for a long time, for 10 years. Um, and I, I think a lot, a lot of the pre-draft process is, is a little overrated. Uh, I mean, these individual workouts, I think, can be misleading. Uh, a lot of times your coaching staff will be their first look, look at guys. Uh, they'll have a strong voice. And I think, you know, getting too high or too low on one guy in one workout is not the the wisest thing to do. And so I think it kind of steer you in the wrong, wrong direction a lot of times. Uh, th- I think the biggest disadvantage, at least for me, uh, would be, you know, the lack of uh, access to these guys. I mean, you know, they're setting up Zoom calls. They're, they're having conversations with these guys. It's just not quite the same of, of bringing, you know, bringing them in for a visit to your hometown and uh, taking them out to dinner and just getting to know the kids. Uh, I think teams are losing there. And ho- hopefully they're able to do a combine where they're able to get all the physical measurements and most importantly, get all the medical information. Because, um, I mean, if, they, if they're going to the draft with, without that stuff, I mean, that's really going in, you know, making million dollars, uh, you know, multi-million dollar investments without, without all the, you know, information that you need. So um, I don't think it's a huge deal as long as they get that information. So you think there's out, there's definitely positives to in the current environment where you may not overthink it and like you, that you would in a normal setting? You know, I would hope so. I mean, I've talked to my staff quite a bit of like, hey, let's not get too nitpicky. I, I feel like draft Twitter really is all, all they're able to do is watch film. And so they're they're nitpicking all these little stuff with guys and uh, talking themselves out of good players, in my opinion. So uh, hopefully teams are taking the same approach that I am of, of not getting too nitpicky. Uh, and just kind of sticking to the information that that they need to, to focus on. Uh, but yeah, I could easily see teams uh, overanalyzing, you know, having this more t- you know more time and uh, lack of you know direct access. So as an agent for ten years and having some information on workouts, I've always been curious. What exactly do teams look for when they have these workouts with players who they've seen? so much film on because we we've seen it play key roles in drafting people before I mean you look at Donovan Mitchell and there's a story that when he worked out with the Jazz they didn't want anyone to know about it and apparently he had a phenomenal workout and then you're watching uh, one of the Heat playoff games uh, in the bubble and they told a story about how Bam Adebayo had this great uh, workout with the Heat but but again, it's always interesting because these are players that you figure they've scouted for a year or two or, or longer and they have some familiarity with. So what do they look for in a workout that has such a big impact on their opinion of this player? Yeah, of course, there, there's unique situations like the Donovan Mitchell deal, right? So um, generally speaking, I still think, you know, the individual workouts are, are, are overhyped. You know, I, I think, you know, um, I mean, there, there's... We always looked at if a guy could really shoot the ball, it'd probably be a good opportunity for him to move up in the draft because he'll impress in these workouts. And, uh, you know, it really makes it challenging to, to you know, kind of make a good decision. And I think front offices have to face it too, where you got the scouts that know the draft like the back of their hand before the pre-draft even starts. Uh, they're battling against, you know, a guy doing well in a workout or doing poorly because it's just, you know, some some people put more stock into it than others. Um, again, I, I just, I think it all is too misleading and I wouldn't read into it too much. Looking at this draft, we've talked about trading down. Would you also, and where the Bulls are at at number four, would you kind of say that they shouldn't risk it to move up? Not risk it, but give away assets, I should say, to move up. And let's say if they really do like LaMelo Ball for one reason or another, do you think that they should just stay at four and see if he falls or go ahead and get a little um, you know, creative and try to trade up and, and land him? You know, I, I don't, I probably not. I mean, I, you know, again, it, it kind of the same answer as, as your question before. It all just depends on, on what you're looking at, what the trade offer is. Um, you know, I, I mean, I like Lamelo. I, I don't think it's, you know, uh, I don't think it's a player worth you know, throwing the kitchen sink at. Uh, I think he'd be a nice pickup at four. Um, realistically, probably, probably wouldn't make much sense to, to look to, to, to move up. Is there a notable player in this draft that you're, just not as high on as the consensus or just super low on 
Um, yeah, a couple guys come to mind. I'm mean, Cole Anthony's one. I mean, I think he got so much hype after those first few games. And, you know, big thing with him is that the intel, the background, you know, work on him hasn't come back that great. Uh, and so I, I think uh, I think I'm more on the same page that most of the NBA is, but the media still loves him because uh, he's a talented kid and all that. But I, I think there's a lot of negativity surrounding him. Uh, the other player that comes to mind um, is Tyrese Maxey, who I like. Um, I think he's a solid player. You know, a lot of people have had him as a lottery pick all year. I see him more as like a you know a mid late second or uh, excuse me mid late first uh, round pick. Uh, so you know again I, I like him, just not as much as everybody else. Who would you compare Maxey to? Like he's he seems interesting as a six three six four ish like guard who can get his own shot, and he definitely shows some flashes of being like a pretty good player at Kentucky. And given that Kentucky just seems to always have some type of really good guard coming out of a draft, whether it's Booker, SGA, uh, Tyler Hero uh, recently, do you think that there's a like, what do you what do you think of his game in terms of a comparison to a current NBA player? Yeah, I don't know if I've got a good comp for him or not. Um, You know, the things I I like about Maxi is, uh, you know, the background on him is great. Seems like a really great kid. I've actually been around him quite a bit. you know, he's a, he's the kind of guy you want in your locker room on your team. Seems like a, a winner uh, type guy. Uh, you know, really you know plays the right way, defends. Um, you know, the, the issues I have with him is that, so they list him at six three one ninety eight. So he's got a strong build. I, I don't I don't trust that he's actually six three. I've stood right next to him. I think he's probably closer closer to six one than six three. Uh, and I don't trust his ability to play point guard. I think he could defend some point guards. Uh, I just I just don't think his feel for the game, natural playmaking. I don't think it's there. Uh, on an NBA level. So now we're looking at, you know, a six foot two shooting guard that shot, I believe 29% from three with a really low release. Uh, I think his foot speed is just okay. You know, I don't think he's a big time athlete. I think he's more of a physical uh, kid with, you know, with sort of a knack to, to, you know, create, create his own space and create his own shot off. But um, those are the things that are holding him back for me. And so, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm much more, you know, I'm much lower on him than, than you know, I think the rest of the media is. And, you know, let's see see how it turns out. Not that the Bulls should look at either of these guys, but two of the players that are probably more athletic bigs, rim runners, if you will. A uh, guy like Wiseman and then uh, I think is Okunuye. Um, how, what are your thoughts on them? And which one? I think uh, there's been a lot of back and forth on, again, draft Twitter that one a guy like Wiseman is probably not as good as people originally thought, and he's fallen in the draft order. And and Acuna again might be much better, might be a better player than him as well. So, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Well, I like both players a lot. Um, you know, I, I don't know if either of them are necessarily fits for for Chicago. Uh, but I mean, Wiseman, he's seven foot plus, really moves well. I think his skill set is, is underrated, uh, and I think he's he's got a a build that he's gonna you know. Uh, fill out. And so, I mean, he, he's one of the top guys for me. Um, and, and then uh, Anyeka Nkungu is the second guy from USC, undersized power, or uh, excuse me, undersized center, uh, kind of in the Bam Adebayo mold. Uh, these are two of the top players in the draft for, on my you know, on my board. Um, with Chicago, I don't know. I mean, you know, I still have a lot of hope in, in Wendell Carter and Markkinen. If you had one of those guys, you know, you could pull it off. You just kind of have a three-headed monster in the front court. Doesn't seem like a perfect fit to me. I think they would be better off trying to address like you said, a, you know, primary ball handler or a wing. Um, but I mean, you know, as far as, as market value goes, I think both of those guys should be in consider, consideration for that, you know, picks in that range. Okungu, I'll have to remember that. I, I'm so bad at pronouncing a lot of these <laughs> names. I'm trying to try to remember them. <laughs> yeah. yeah on, so on that note, this has always been a, a topic, I feel like, especially as of uh, recent, but a lot of people feel like, if you take a center who's not really a premium type of prospect in the high lottery, then you're not getting optimal value out of it. You think of a situation like even the Bulls right now. So granted, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is a much better player than what he's shown to be and he hasn't been used correctly. But you would look if someone just looked at the Bulls roster right now and said, okay, you have Wendell Carter Jr. and you drafted Daniel Gafford in the second round last year. Daniel Gafford can rebound. He can dunk. He can block shots. He can do the rim runner things. Wendell Carter Jr. does a lot more, but a lot of people say, all right, you have a rim running big. So why why draft a rim running big in the top half of the lottery if you can get that player in the late 
part of a, the first round or the or even the second round sometimes. So uh, again, what is is it still smart to draft players like that if they are just going to be rim runners in the lottery? If that's what Wiseman is, if that's what uh, I'm, I'm going to mess up his name, so I'm just going to say the Southern yeah, California the, player is going <laughs> to do uh, some. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand the question. It uh, and so I, you know, I, I understand where this is coming from as far as you know, it's easier to replace big men. Uh, that their roles are generally a lot simpler than they used to be. Um, I mean, I, I think guys like Wiseman and Akungwu, I think they're on a higher level than a guy that you can easily replace. I mean, you know, everybody keeps saying this, but if you go down the board and look at all these rosters of big guys, um, there's still a lot of high-profile big men. Mm-hmm. Jo- Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo is coming around. I mean, you know, you go down the list, there's a lot of guys that serve a lot of value to their team. Uh, and granted, you know, the game's a lot different, you know, in the sense of like, it's not a lot of isolation, low post, just banging, throw, throw it down to your big man, let him go to work and spread the floor. Um, I, I still think when you've got a, you know, high, high profile big man, you know, it, it's still, it's still something that should be valued. And I think Wiseman and Kungu both are in that category of being guys that, that could do really well. And another example of that is, uh, you know, DeAndre Aiden. He was the number one pick. You know, I understand he's getting some some negative negativity because Doncic is killing it. Uh, but still, this is a kid that never averaged nearly 20 and 10 in his second year. Uh, and so, I mean, you can't easily replace 20 and 10. And so uh, I think the media and, and NBA Twitter and all that, uh, I think they're kind of taking taking an idea and running with it a little too extreme. Um, so, I, you know, again, I understand it. I just don't, I don't necessarily agree with it. What are your thoughts on in the second round? I think Bulls do have a pick in there. Uh, are there any guys down there in the sleeper and maybe overseas or even in college that you can see falling um, out of the first and or just in that area that you think it could be possibly guys that could be a steal? You know, it all just depends on you know depends on who's there. You know, the second round's really hard to project. I mean, every team has a different big board. Um, you know, and so we'll see. I mean, a couple guys that I, I think uh, are a little bit under the radar that I, I don't necessarily think you know should be there when the Bulls are picking. But um, Elijah Hughes from Syracuse. I mean, for some reason he were to slip, I think that kid is a stud. Uh, Jalen Harris from Nevada. Uh, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. These are all three guys. If they were to slip to the second, I think would be very high value picks. Um, you just got to see what you know, see, see, see who's there, uh, and then obviously you need to look at you know who you took with that fourth pick as well. It seems like more teams, and grand, I have no stats to back this up, but it seems like more teams are hitting on second round picks these days. You look at Jokic, you look at Draymond Green, you look at uh, Devontae Graham was a, a candidate for most improved player this year. There are other players you you can bring up as well, but it seems like more teams are hitting on these second round picks and either finding contributors or potentially finding stars so like what is the what has been the reason for this do you think it's just like it's just the typical anomaly that you can expect from an nba draft or is is it something more that has been responsible for these teams being able to find just these really good players late in the draft now yeah, I don't think it's anything new. Um, I, you know, I think it's just certain guys slip through the cracks for, for whatever reasons. You know, my, my dad's been with the Milwaukee Bucks for for 23 years, and they've had a ton of success in the second round. I mean, they drafted uh, Michael Red, mm-hmm. Ramon Sessions, Ursanio Sova, Ray for Alston. So, I mean, it's just – it happens. You know, it's just uh, – you know, I, I think it's guys that are probably projected as first-round picks by other teams um, – you know, that, that just slip, you know, for, for whatever reason. So uh, there's always going to be a couple guys in these draft that do. And uh, I think the guys I mentioned could, could be those guys. What do you think about uh, leaving the second round for a minute? I really like Devin Vassell. I think he is a really good two-way player. And even though he's not great off the dribble, I don't think he's nearly as bad as – what people say he can do all the dribble. What do you think about him? Like he, he seems like a good player. He has a good motor, athleticism, can shoot it. Uh, just really good defensive awareness. Is there a chance that he can be more than the three and D player he's he currently is? Yeah, I mean his offensive game is simple, but it's very effective. You know, I mean he scores at all three levels. I think he's very reliable as the catch and shooter. He shoots in the mid range. 
Um, you know, he's he's decent to the hole because he's so long, and he's got he's got some flexibility with within his game to to kind of create some shot, doing like turnarounds, things like that. He, and he really does a good job of using his length and his high release. And so I think he's going to be a very effective offensive player. Um, I just don't think he's a guy you know you're going to need to run a whole lot of plays for or, or depend on to, to create his own shot. Uh, but it doesn't mean he can't be you know be a guy at some point average 15 points a game or something like that. I think it's just going to come within the flow of the game. And then defensively, he's solid and just a good player that just doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. That doesn't have any major flaws. What are your thoughts on a guy like RJ Hampton, another guy that went to the NBL, went a different route than most people, well players go to? Uh, he was highly regarded before he went overseas, and he's kind of really fallen in the draft boards again. Uh, I've seen people say he's has a he has a lot of great speed, but outside of that, he's not very athletic. Like not doesn't have a lot of explosion. Uh, where are you on him as far as where you have him on the board, and do you think that that he's a guy that could have? Is he like a high risk, high reward, or do you not just see a lot of of potential in him? Yeah, I see him as a potential mid-first-round pick, and, and he's certainly a high-risk, high-reward. And uh, I actually r- disagree completely that the athleticism thing. I think that's that's what he has. He is so athletic. Uh, I mean, extremely fast, but, I mean, he's got burst, you know. Um, I mean, one of the more athletic players in the draft. I, I think the problem with him is he, he's just, you know, he's got all these tools, physical tools, and he's needing to put it all together. You know, he's more of a shooting guard than a point guard. They, they list him at 6'5". I don't think he's 6'5", which is, you know, kind of a common theme with, with all these guys, right? It's just, you know, they're all listed a little little bigger than they actually are. Uh, you know, I think he needs to, to develop into being being a point guard. If he's able to, to be a true combo, I think his value skyrockets, and he just needs to become a little bit more of an efficient player. I mean, his outside shooting, I think his mechanics – Mechanics are okay. He's just got to he's got to knock down some shots at a higher rate, and so um, he needs to mature. He needs to grow, but the the, the, the raw talent's there. And uh, yeah, again, just you know, high risk, high reward. What do you make of Isaac Okoro? Is he a good defender? Seems pretty athletic. I know there's questions about you know how he's going to progress as a jump shooter, but I think some people in terms of being optimistic, look at him as somebody who could maybe be a Victor Oladipo type of player. When you looked at Victor Oladipo from Indiana, wasn't quite there offensively yet, especially in terms of a shooter. But as we know, made that jump in the NBA. What do you think of Okoro? Can he be, can he be something similar to an Oladipo if he really hits it? Um, I mean, I really like Okoro. Um, I, I don't see him. I don't see him being too similar to, to Oladipo. I mean, I think they're both big time athletes. I mean, Okoro, probably is the best athlete overall in the draft. I mean, he's 6'6", 225. I mean, he looks, looks like a football player, um, defends everybody. I mean, really, and, and really, you know, puts a, puts a you know, high level effort in, which is half the battle. And so we've got a big time athlete that, that plays hard. Uh, it's got a good feel for the game. Uh, offensively, I think he's, he's, you know, probably going to be pretty limited to just being a straight line driver, uh, and you hope he could develop his outside shooting just to be a guy that could hit open shot. Uh, but I'm very high on him. I think I think there's a chance he he could be you know one of the elite defenders in the NBA eventually. Would you take him at four? You know, I, I think that's that's definitely on, on his high side. Um, he, he probably should be in the conversation. I mean, he would fit he would fit what they have a, a little bit. You know, I mean, again, I, I do believe they need a primary ball handler, uh, but he's a good player, and so yeah, I mean, he probably should be in the conversation. So let's say this scenario plays out, and more likely it won't, but let's say if it actually does happen, and the Bulls at four, uh, and they have option between LaMelo Ball, Killian Hayes, or uh, Denny Avija, which guy do you think that you would like to see the Bulls go ahead and take? You know, I think, uh, you know, obviously depending on who's there, I have them taking LaMelo right now. Uh, Den- Denny would probably be my second option for them. Um, you know, they, they could, you know, these guys, it's way high for them, but I mean, Halliburton makes sense there. Okoro. Um, I just, that, that's extremely high, but th- those guys would fit what they're doing. So if you're, if you're a bulls right now and you look at this roster and it's underachieved the last three seasons, but as you noted, there's a lot of guys here in Markin and Carter that, have not been as good as they should be. So you figure that a new coach is going to be able to get better, get better results out of them. But when you look at this team and you see the amount of young pieces here, do you think that they should, are, are they closer to a rebuild or are they closer to, okay, 
if we can hit with this draft and maybe retool a few things, then this team could actually have their arrow pointed up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, Arturis is, is a pretty good friend of mine. We, you know, we both lived in Denver for a long time, and um, I, I was really happy to see him get this job because I think it's a good job. I, I, I like the young young pieces that are in place. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, if I if I were him, I wouldn't step in and, and make this whole big dramatic shakeup because I, I like I like the players. I think you need to, you know, put put some additional pieces to allow you know Carter to grow and Markin in. Uh, obviously Kobe White had the great rookie years to score. And then, I mean, Levine averaged 25 points a game last year. And so mm-hmm. you, you got some stuff to work with. I just think you need a, you know, a couple more pieces to kind of, kind of plug in and allow it to all kind of synergize a little bit. Um, yeah. So I think they're probably, they're probably two, three years away from, from being in their prime. Um, if, 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 you know, maybe longer than that, but um, you know, I, I think they, they've got a n- nice young unit to, to build off of. Since you know Arthur so well, I was just curious. Right now, the Bulls, when they were going through their process of uh, evaluating Jim Boylan, we kind of found out that he's probably very thorough in how he is does his evaluation process. But there was also a thought that maybe because of the COVID situation, that's why it took a little longer. Would you say that he is very thorough in that sense, that he, he does very much check crosses his t's and dots his i's and double checks his homework before he finally turns it in oh yeah Arturs is a very thorough guy i mean very disciplined uh you know with this you know specific situation i'm not really sure the backstory of what what actually was going on uh i mean i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that was uh you know, directed by ownership. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but uh, just based on Ryan's or you know, reputation, all that, that sounds like he was probably taking orders uh, of how to, how to execute. Um, I, I mean, with so much uncertainty with the pandemic and the season, all that, I think they're probably just wait, waiting to see how it was all going to unfold. That, that, that would be my best guess. So what do you make of Arthur's, like his, his climb, his ascension throughout the NBA? I mean, going from Denver who, has become who became like one of really the top front offices I think in the league with him and Tim Connolly and they were making so many good uh moves on draft nights to really build the roster that they have now so like what do you make of Arturs and how he's ascended to the position he is right now with the Bulls yeah I mean Arturs has done a great job and I mean he and Tim Connolly both and the, you know they, they built this in, in a small market in Denver primarily through the draft I mean you know getting Jokic uh, obviously, it was the slam dunk, you know, especially as a second round pick. But uh, Arturs does a really good job of, you know, he, he, it's not it's not a situation where, you know, he was high up and, and had everybody else just go on the road. I mean, I, I sat next to him at games left and right. I mean, he really gets after it, uh, really, really knows players. And, and they're good at you know drafting players as, as a result of it. Yeah, we're, we're very excited just because, like I said, the Bulls were – under a ownership, uh, not ownership, a front office with Gar and Pax for such a long time. And I think what the most exciting part is that the Bulls went outside the organization and went and got somebody that is very high regarded. And obviously, AK hasn't really, he didn't take too long in, in blostering up his, the front office in general when he went and hired the different assistants to be more focused on different areas. So we're very excited personally as, as a fan base. Uh, at the direction that you know this place, the team is headed. Yeah, no, I think he should be. I mean, Arturs is a great guy. He's very sharp, and he puts the work in. You know, so I mean, I think he's got he's got all the tools to succeed. And you know, he's in uh, you know one of the best markets in the NBA with a bunch of young players, like I said. So um, yeah, I think the I think the Bulls are on the up and up. No doubt. So, what's a do you have any bold predictions about the draft? I know you've given us some some draft steals that you have in the second round, but do you have a, any bold, like, really bold prediction that you kind of have right now that you might – maybe you have you just can kind of store it away for a little bit, but, like, do you have anything bold about this draft right now? You know, I don't. I mean, you know, I think that this draft's so tricky just with uh, with there being so much parity towards the top. I mean, it's just really hard to, to pinpoint where all these guys are going to go because, I mean, Minnesota is really in the, in the driver's seat. What, what happens with the first, you know, two or three picks is really going to determine, you know, who's there. I mean, you know, the Bulls are an interesting situation because you really have no clue who's going in that top three. And so, like, who are you even looking at, you know? And so uh, I'm, I'm just excited. Uh, hopefully hopefully we'll have a draft at some point. It sounds like they're going to keep pushing it back. But, um, yeah, very unpredictable, which which makes it exciting. Oh, yeah. As we wrap up here, Matt, I thank you so much for joining us. And please let our uh, listeners know 
where they can follow you and anything new that you might be working on that they should look out for. And if you have any other final thoughts. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the main thing I'm doing is with our site, Babcock Hoops, which you can find us on uh, babcockhoops.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at mattbabcock11. Uh, then I'm also, uh, you can see me on CBS Sports HQ. I do a number of uh, on-camera on shows for them. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing some more you know, from, from now and, until the draft. And then also I'm, uh, I'm contributing to this new site, basketballnews.com. It's a, it's a pretty cool concept. So it's uh, Alex Kennedy, who was at Hoops Hype for years. Uh, he just came over to, to be the main guy there. And they've, they've assembled a great, great crew of guys, former NBA players, um, and then, you know, several high-level journalists. And so I'm, I'm doing some NBA draft coverage for them. And so I'm kind of all, all, kind of all over the place, but uh, yeah, ch- check us out. Thank you. Thank you. Edward, any final thoughts? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, to Matt, for joining us. Uh, really, really informative. And yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just really proud of what the NBA has done this week, particularly the players, just for standing up for the right causes and being able to make a difference uh, in this country. I Just sitting back uh, when the strike happened, it really felt like such a powerful moment. And I'm glad to have seen that. And I'm glad to have wit- like it, it just feels like the NBA and its players are really getting it. They're really embracing that this country needs a lot of change. And it really is just a special moment. So, yeah, I, I'm just glad to see that. Again, as we mentioned at the top of the show, rest in peace to John Thompson. Rest in peace to uh, Clifford Robinson, Lute Olson, uh, Chadwick Bozeman. I mean, just such a, a tough week. And it's just a good time to remember all of the people in this country who've done so much good, inspired so many people in a variety of ways. And they've definitely left an imprint on so many people. So, yeah, just shout out to the players, shout out to the NBA and shout out to all the athletes and other sports who are uh, trying to inspire change and make a difference as well. So, yeah. Yeah, completely agree with you. Um been, it's been really good to see, and I'm hopefully, hopefully, like I said, it. I've always said, hopefully, all this does result in in change and moving forward, uh, positive things moving forward. But yeah, that you know, that's a wrap for today's show. Uh, please give us a follow on Twitter at Bulls Gold. You can follow Edward at Edward Shula Jr. and me at Jordan Dynasty. Obviously, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Central on Dash Radio, nothing but Net Radio's uh, station. And in addition, if you have missed any previous shows, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Also, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and rate us a five and show us some love there. Thank you again to Matt Babcock for joining us today. And as always, for Edward Schuler and myself, thank you for listening. Till next time, Bulls fans. Bulls fans.